the ideas, the leaders, the lives that are shaping Denmark and the world. From Blocks Hub in Copenhagen, Denmark, with your co-hosts, Ed Lay and Thomas Mulhern, this is Global Denmark. Welcome back to the Global Denmark Podcast, where we explore how thought leaders and innovators are working to create a better Denmark and a better world. We recently had the pleasure of reconnecting with our alumnus, Jesper Leuvendale, at least virtually in this time of Corona. Jesper, as you know, is the CEO of Expat Ride and the head of the DAPCO organization, bringing together global Danish expats from around the world. In this wide-ranging conversation, we explored networking in a virtual environment, how to create value in the time of a pandemic instead of just Netflixing out on your couch, the keys to running a distributed workforce, and much, much more. So without further ado, we bring you Jesper Leuventen. Welcome back to the Global Denmark Podcast. We are live here via Skype, respecting our social distances. And I'm here with, of course, my co-host, Mr. Ed Lee, and our guest of honor today, Jesper Leuvendale. Ed, before we go over to Jesper, how you doing? I'm good. I mean, I'm getting a little bit lonely, stood in my kitchen drinking ginger tea on my lonesome. Looking forward to reuniting with, uh, with yourself and, and guests in future. How are you? Um, I'm fine, actually. That loneliness that you're feeling, I cannot say I'm feeling the same at this moment. But, you know, I think it would be nice to partake in a ginger tea together. Hopefully not in the too long. <laughs> <laughs> and Jesper Leuvendale, you are in Denmark, as far as we know. And welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so uh, much for having me. You are always welcome and so happy to talk to you. I think we haven't spoken in this forum since late 2019. So how you doing? I'm actually doing great. Family's doing great. Staying uh, away from the virus so far, or maybe we had it, we don't know. But I'm finding this time very productive and uh, very giving in a way that I've started running with my wife. We do core and leg exercises with YouTube videos. My daughter has started teaching my son, who's six years younger. My daughter's 14. She's like a substitute teacher, which has been very good for her and actually brought the kids closer together, I feel. So um, I'm seeing a lot of benefit. And the fact that I can't be social has actually also made me more productive. Interesting. I mean, Ed and I were, um, we talked to Jessica Joel Alexander a couple of weeks ago and just about the, the new dynamic that the uh, coronavirus has done in terms of working and being a parent. And we were in, also in agreement that it's given different opportunities for uh, kind of new ideas and growth within the family. Yeah. Now I have to say that I'm, we're in a very lucky situation in the terms of adapting to uh, the new corona isolation reality because uh, I work from home. My wife has a uh, an organization in Colombia where she's from that helps cats and dogs there. So something that she yeah. does online as well from home. So the only thing is that we see our kids between eight o'clock in the morning and two o'clock in the afternoon because we're usually here when they get home. So in that sense, our learning curve hasn't been that much or that high. But we're still seeing all the benefits that I just talked to you about because we can't just go out and be on our own. My daughter is here. She can't be with her friends. My son is not in his fritzship. I'm not out being social, networking. So it's 
it's brought us closer, but the again, the learning curve of being at home together hasn't been that hard for us, as I'm feeling that many of my friends are struggling adapting to. Yeah. You know, I heard, you know, just like Ed kind of mentioned, there's this overall feeling worldwide of kind of loneliness. And, you know, you're a networking guy. And one of the kind of the first main questions we have to you is, how do you network in this situation? How do you network digitally and still kind of create value in the relationships you're trying to cultivate or maintain from a business perspective as well? I think from uh, both business and personal, I think it's the same same thing that I've, uh, I've taken upon myself is to actually call people. I mean, you can do a lot digitally, and I give some pointers on that too, but I think the most important these days and what really appreciate is you getting on the phone and calling them so if you have a good business contact i mean i see it over and over again you know everybody starts out with the family hope you're doing good and then they end the email with stay safe which is a nice gesture but once you've seen it 500 times over just Mm -hmm. a few days then it becomes the new you know sincerely or tears or whatever how you ever you end off your email so the personal charge of reaching out and actually connecting to somebody and asking them, how are you doing? But also at the same time, seeking inspiration from how they're coping. What routines have they built into their personal life, their work life that you can learn from? For Because we're all going through something new at this stage. Mm-hmm. Just like our governments all over the world are learning by doing and adapting and changing their ways and changing their views. This is also an opportunity to do it yourself, but you can also learn from others by actually reaching out instead of just, you know, like I did the first week. I must say I was just reading all the news that I could do, you know, getting up to date on the virus, watching videos from China, praising for the impact. And But I think the one-to-one over a phone call or doing a, a one-to-one video call. I earlier today had, for the second time, we, we had, we're making a routine with one of our business partners that we meet over a beer on Skype, but it's just the two of us, not a group of people. Uh, yeah. And it makes a difference. It makes a connection. So there's actually an opportunity here to actually connect and make a difference. And that's both for your personal being, but it's also to make a positive impact on a business contact or a potential business contact. Mm-hmm. That you're actually spending the time reaching out instead of just sending out a mass email. Ed, can I throw this something over to you? Go for it. If Jesper picks up the phone and makes a, a phone call here, which is kind of a differentiator in terms of the normal communication, at the level of the brain, will people be more inclined to retain that memory because they will associate it with this unique time? Yeah, absolutely. I've I've been talking to to a lot of people about this actually, and what happens when the environment is changed radically is that everybody just becomes hyper alert and hyper aware of everything that's happening. So everybody is going to remember everything that everybody did to them at this time. So small gestures like picking up the phone to someone are going to be a thing that people remember that happened during this time of isolation because we're going to talk about it for years to come and what we're going to do about it and what happened and how to get out of it and uh, who to turn to it's kind of the thing that we're all having to do now is go rather than hope someone will help me call someone and help them and hope that someone will call us and help us and yeah i think it's one of those things that will be indelibly printed on the brain because that's just how it works yeah 
Now, Jesper, you've run the DAPGO organization. And have you guys ever done anything virtually prior to this? Or are you doing anything with that now in terms of formal networking event, not face-to-face? Yeah, so um, yesterday, we actually, every first Wednesday of the month, we have our Stambor, which is our monthly meetup for Danes living abroad. And we do that in an, over 40 cities around the world. And yesterday, there were several of the Stambor that were meeting up virtually. And our general secretary of DAPGO was a participant in the Stockholm Stambor, where the ambassador, uh, the Danish ambassador in Sweden, was also participating and taking questions from the Stambor participants in this virtual. And it turned out to be very giving. And people walked away from it. I didn't participate myself, but I talked to our general secretary, and he said that it had been very giving in a sense of people actually felt that they were part of something. And it had filled a gap in their social uh, needs. But also mm-hmm. the fact that somebody from the you know, foreign ministry, the ambassador, uh, had taken the time to be on this because a lot of the times they don't take the time to meet up at these Dumbos. But I also see that this whole thing is bringing us more together. It's also showing the foreign ministry the difference that they can actually make in um, Danish people living abroad in their lives, whether it be personal or it being business-wise, that the citizens of a country, you know, actually gather around the government and the foreign ministry for answers and support in these, you know, in these times. I'm venturing a little bit away from the networking, but hopefully that will also show the ministry, the foreign ministry, that there is a broader need for them than other than the diplomacy that they are usually focusing on. Mm-hmm. That was in Sweden, did you say? Yeah, so the Danish job in Stockholm was Stockholm, uh, but uh, I understand they're not socially isolating. So are the Danish community in Stockholm isolating? Yes. I think also, particularly in Stockholm, where there is the biggest outbreak, I think I think they're taking precautions there on a, a more um, you know, city level. Sure. Now, do you think, Jesper, that you will incorporate any of this virtual Stambor into your future business model or just go back to the standard face-to-face? Actually, we have some some areas around the globe where there's not that many Danish people, where it's more difficult to um, gather people. For example, you know, Colombia, Chile. There are countries around the world and Africa where this could actually become a thing. This could be... You know, something that as we're learning from other doing it, and this is, again, you know, DAPCO is not a an organization that is steered by few people at the top. This is um, a voluntary organization. It doesn't cost anything to be a member. Nobody's making any money. So everybody who's running this is uh, volunteering on a local level. So everybody, you know, brings their ideas and brings their initiative to the table on how to hold this, you know, facilitate a stumble. And that's also what we're seeing now with these virtual meetups. That is completely facilitated locally by the people there. So we can gather a lot of inspiration from that. But I can see how, you know, virtual Stambors for lesser populated areas be a thing in the future, in the very near future, because it's actually working. That's really interesting. One thing before we talk about what I do, I want to pivot back to the reaching out. I just want to come with a little bit, you know, a little tip as well there. So once you reach out and actually talk to somebody, please make it a note to ask what you can do in terms of helping them. If there's anything they need, 
if there's any challenges that they foresee coming in the future. It might not be that you can help them, but write down the person challenges on a post-it note, put it on your table in front of you, keep it there for up to two weeks. If you don't have anybody that comes to mind or any solution that can help them, but if it's on your desk in front of you and it suddenly comes to mind that, oh, this person might be um, a good introduction, then you can make it. So not just reaching out, but also making a note of how you could actually help them because it shouldn't just turn into a sales call. Make it a real call. And you do that by note, you know, nodding down the, the, their challenges and asking how you could be of help. Uh, now or in the near future, because we're all looking at a, at a future, some of us financially declining rapidly, some others better set, but we're all in uncertain uncertain territory. I really like that. And I remember we, um, we talked about kind of that approach to creating value, you know, giving, you know, it's about how much you can give. And I think that it still can be maintained even virtually by unique acts. I think that's fantastic. Jesper, you obviously, um, you run Expat Ride, yeah. your your company. And I know that your workforce has always been a distributed workforce working in multiple countries at once. Is that correct? That's true. Yeah. So what does that look like for our audience that's maybe just stepping into the distributed workforce game out of necessity because of this pandemic? First of all, kind of what is the basic level of doing it and what is the higher level of what you can get out of it? Yeah, so um, one of my first experiences with hiring people to work from home, because this is something that we've done from the very beginning, it's because of my need not to, or my want not to go into an office building. I uh, had my first several jobs in big companies, big corporations, wearing a tie. And um, I just felt that I'd done that. Now I just wanted to stay at home because I had my family and I didn't want to do the commute. I didn't necessarily want to dress up. So I wanted people who would buy into this. And one of my experiences was that now most of our workforce is in Florida and it's expat spouses that have trailed their spouse to work mm. there. Yeah. And so they have, it's more flexible in, in that term. It's also people who like being at home. So we've had a few younger people on for shorter terms. Most of them where it was said that it was three to six months because of where they were going with their schools and everything else. But what we also found is that it's very difficult for a young person to work from home because they're it's still a very social thing. They might not have kids yet. They might not have a, a boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse. So that was one of the, my experiences and in keeping, not having a high churn rate, is to have, I would say, more mature people, because I'm in a mature range, <laughs> um, to work from home and not climb up the wall in, in distress that you're not coming out and you're not, you know, you're not seeing people, you're not being social, you can't, you know, go uh, to the water cooler and have a, have a chat. So that I see also when I, I'm looking at my friends and who are challenged with this, it's definitely more the younger people than it is the older people. That's interesting. Um, so that's just the kind of like the demographics a little bit of making it work on a year by year basis. Other thing that I've done is that I we work very much with trust. You have to work with a lot of trust when you can't micromanage people as you're not looking over their shoulder, right? So a lot of trust involved. Hiring people by personalities more than by by their skill set is key. 
Another thing that we did when this crisis kind of like was um, upon us to make sure that everybody everybody got a little bit unsure maybe if they were going to be redundant is that we came up quickly with a lot of projects. I mean, if you have a company, there's always things that you want to do, but just don't have the time to. So that could be automating processes. It could be improving documentation. Yeah. Yeah. It could be creating a block for your website, which we don't have, which we're creating now. So writing articles for that, simple stuff like that. Developing your services. We're right now working on a, um, on a client separate company that is going to merge some uh, services in the industry that we are in. Yeah. Uh, because now the counterpart actually have the time. This is something that I've been wanting to do for a couple of years. But now that the counterpart that I needed to do the, to get on board, they have time. Now we're working on this. So we just manage the demand. Yeah, we just put together a lot of projects. And we were very lucky, actually, that uh, last team meeting in late February, I had made the theme that just brainstorming on where would expat ride be five years from now and i said to them you know anything from drone deliveries of cars to us having an advertisement running at the super bowl game and just work your way down from there now we're small companies those are not things that we would do within five years but it was just kind of like to get people to completely brainstorm on what could we do with with this company so a lot of the input that we got on the day, which was very entertaining too, but we got a lot of great ideas that we actually picked up on when the corona crisis started happening and we were preparing for a downturn in incoming business, where we took a lot of those ideas and, and actually turned them into projects people are working on. Okay, let's let's work towards this. So having that just done was actually very giving for the whole company culture and the belief in, hey, we're going to yeah. get through this just because the incoming requests for our, you know our services are slowing down a bit we still have tons of things to do and the first week of working on the projects were last week and a lot of our we're lucky in that sense a lot of our our team members didn't have much time to work on the projects but it gave them a comfort that once they were done with the incoming request and the ongoing support and escalations of what you have you they have this thing to pick up on. So they're still going to be productive. There's still going to be a need for them. Made a huge difference. We've seen some some great, not only great productivity, but also I even feel that people are happier now than they were mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. And is that because there's, because there's always a project? And do you think that you will always have like a, a 20% project for people to work on going forward then? Yeah, the fact that we have an overload of work overload for them because of these projects that they can then start on or continue on when and if the workload, the incoming requests from our customers and partners lowers, then that gives them a sense of, hey, you know, the need for me is still going to be there. I can see that because if I only have 60% or 80% of what I had, you know, two or three weeks ago, I still have this huge project that I can start working on. Yeah. And we know that, you know, if you're just chasing after demand and having to fire employees and then rehire new ones, you know, the cost of training, the cost of building up that trust in the long run, if you have talent 
that's there and they can multitask and do different things in low demand periods that create employee-driven innovation, ultimately it's going to benefit your company much more than firing them because there's low demand in the period. Oh, definitely. And these are the best people to initiate on, on projects that can improve the company. Yeah. They have years of experience. I mean, to grab onto some government money, I mean, again, some companies do have to do that, but grab onto some government money in the short run instead of just investing in making your company better. When you have an opportunity like this, and I think that's that's what we always have to, you know, whether it's personal or it's business, there has to be some positive in everything. It can't just be negative, all of it, right? You can quickly buy into that everything is crap. And you can just as well just, you know, sit on your couch and watch crap news on television or Netflix and wait till this is over. Or you can see the opportunities in this as well. Giving, you know, as I started out with, that this is bringing my family closer together. We're seeing my daughter developing as a, you know, stronger as a little bit of a teacher and, and, and seeing that she actually has some skill set that she can pass on to her brother and coach him. Likewise, we can do that in our companies. Yeah. Yeah, really that growth mindset, both in the personally, but also professionally crucial. I think it's going to be uh, very, very important, actually, over the, the next few months, as you mentioned, hopefully people that don't need government money won't take it because I think it'll be relatively easy to get hold of if you if you wanted to lean on the the idea of hard times rather than the evidence of hard times, especially if you're in a business where you know, experience, knowledge, skill set uh, development is key. And the job that your employees are, are taking care of on a daily basis, it's not something that you can learn in five minutes, which I think few jobs yeah. are. Then, you know, as an employer, take this opportunity to, you know, make a difference for your own company. Because this is a rare opportunity where there's time to actually, you know, invest that time by yeah. the best people that you have, the people who are working with the daily instead of using consultants, as many companies do, right? Pull in consultants because all of their employees are 110% overloaded with work. So in order to get new projects started, they hire in consultants who does not have the passion, do not have the empathy and do not have the experience of or working with the improvements that you want them to do. So it becomes half-ass, but it does become something. And, uh, you know, you look at it and you go, okay, that's great. But then you have to implement that half-ass stuff with your workforce who doesn't have time for it, and they don't have ownership of it. And then it gets parked somewhere where, uh, you know. Yeah, it becomes a theoretical model divorced from the reality that your team has experienced. Exactly. Yes, but... Um, we're doing a kind of a mini cast today a little bit, so we're going to we're gonna wrap it up. But I uh, just want to give you an opportunity to give kind of one more message out there, if you like. I think with networking, you're very clear. And then, you know, in terms of the distributed workforce, is there any other advice that you give for our audience out there that's really um, struggling with this time? Maybe they're an extrovert. Maybe they're, <laughs> they're really having a difficult time being locked in and feel like they can't get their mojo back. Mm-hmm. I think these times are, you know, we can talk about a lot. A lot of the things that we've already talked about is great, but what the world really needs right now is a helping hand. One thing that I was very surprised about was that I saw, it was actually my mom who posted on Facebook that uh, somebody was lending out their Airbnb apartment 
for free to a um, health worker, but it was only for a week. And then the possibility of extending that, I, and I guess extending it if they didn't couldn't rent it out. And then I thought, well, I actually have still have my bachelor apartment that I don't use that often that I could lend out for a couple of months for a health worker. So I posted that on Facebook. It got 15,000 shares, got wow. four and a half thousand likes. And 27,000 people that live in that night. What's that? <laughs> 27,000 people living in that same apartment. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, and I usually get like two or three shares if it's really great. So going to 15,000 is, it's, it's not my usually usual thing for me and getting more than like uh, 15, 20 likes on any picture, unless it's my kids, then they maybe plus 50. (laughs) But, but a lot of people other than, you know, wanting the apartment, of course, and it is actually right now lend out to a, um, a doctor that works in the welcoming Corona task force who are evaluating uh, people coming in, whether they should be treated or not and how they should be treated because they were renovating their home and they were living with her father, her and a girl, uh, boyfriend, and both her parents were in the risk group with different illnesses. So she couldn't really go back there and their house wasn't ready to move into. So it was really, really benefit. I mean, it was such a, a pleasure to be able to help somebody like that in these times. But what was really great was to see the number of people who wrote me and said to me, hey, Jesper, if if you don't have room for all the people that are contacting you, I have a house or other person that, you know, I have a room or I can do this. So I started a group on uh, Facebook called Corona Yelp for Sundhus Persona. And uh, that's like, I don't know, 1,500 people now. And People have been offering uh, free cars, taxi driver that that doesn't have any customers right now offered a doctor to drive her to and from work from Nørrebro to Køge because she was working strange hours and the public transportation wasn't working, creating a warm meal or dog sitting, all sorts of stuff, electric bicycles. And so I think these times is that we all can look a little bit inwards and say, you know, we can help even though we're sitting on our couches at home. There might be some resources or something that we can do to make a difference right now. And this can be the little things, just a you know, dog sitting for your neighbor who works nights or is worried about, you know, how the dog is doing. Or it could be, you know, grocery shopping for your elderly neighbor, anything. And I'm, I'm really seeing that everybody's doing this. This is not a new thing, but we can all do more from our couches than I think we ever imagined. Well, I mean... Mm-hmm. Well done. I think I remember our first talk that you have a keen knack for identifying problems and then solving them and scaling them. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> you did it again. Well done. Jesper Leuvendale, thanks so much for uh, for calling in. I know last time we talked, we promised to be cheering uh, some pints uh, over our next talk. So uh, we'll have to park that until we can be within two meters of each other. Yeah, I look forward uh, to it. Look forward to that. <laughs> look forward to that as well. Ed, great talking to you too. Yeah, likewise. Take care. And to our audience, don't forget to jump over to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, see you on the GDP. Are you getting the most out of your time in Denmark? Pick up the printed copy of the English language newspaper Copenhagen Post today to access relevant news and event information guaranteed to enhance your working and family life.